with Wine Feeders in Alice, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad you've taken time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, there's been a big effort to improve negotiated fed cattle trade over the last 18 months. And it looks like those efforts have been successful, especially here in Texas. We'll check in with one Texas feedlot owner to get his take on it coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Drought has really put the hurt on his wheat. But maybe a strong cattle market will help him out on the other side of his operation. I'm James Hunt, and we'll bring you that Texas High Plains producer's story on Texas Ag Today. February is American Heart Month. Some medical advice on having a healthy heart year-round. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The American Farm Bureau Federation says the proposed changes to the Waters of the U.S. rule would reintroduce burdensome federal regulations for agriculture. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The effort to improve negotiated fed cattle trade here in the Southern Plains has been a success so far. Robbie Kirkland runs Kirkland Feed Yard in Vega, Texas, and he says it all started 18 months ago with the cattle industry's 75% plan. That 75% rule was kind of directed towards the Southern Plains, Texas and Kansas, because we didn't trade as much cash negotiated trade. The folks in Texas and really stepped up and met those minimum requirements and really exceeded them. If you go back and look at what we've done over the last yeah, year and a half as far as trading negotiated cattle, and that's what it's all about. It's cash is a part of it, but negotiated grid also. So we're looking at it and say, all right, those are two forms of negotiated trade. And so really the Texas cattle feeders and, and our region stepped up and probably surprised a lot of the feeding world at how much we were able to kind of move the needle on negotiated trade. Kirkland says the question now becomes whether or not the industry can maintain the levels of negotiated trade into the future. This year's Fort Worth Stock Show was a huge financial success. The buyers and youth who showed at the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo's Junior Sale of Champions smashed multiple records over the weekend. The annual sale brought in more than $6.1 million, surpassing the record set in 2020 by $1.4 million. 
This year's Grand Champion Steer, raised by Tristan Himes of Sterling City, also smashed records by bringing in $310,000. That surpassed the record set in 2020 by $10,000. The European Cross was sold to the steering committee. A spokesman for the committee told DFW reporters over the weekend the steer will go to the Fort Worth Zoo if they have room for it. Otherwise, it has a place on his ranch. The Grand Champion Market Barrow was shown by Caden Mason of Montgomery County. It sold for $100,000. This year's Grand Champion Market Lamb, shown by Hayden Schrader of Zephyr, sold for $70,000. And last but not least, the Grand Champion Weather Goat, shown by Carly Waters of Buffalo, brought in $50,000. Stock Show President and General Manager Bradford Barnes says they're humbled by the amazing support that FFA and 4-H youth continue to receive from area businesses, individuals, and foundations. He said it is a great feeling knowing the youth have amazing buying groups in Fort Worth to help them reach their dreams and goals. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. If you want to control flies in your cow herd this summer, now is the time to get started. Randy Knight is a territory manager for Central Life Sciences. He's based in Sanger, Texas. Here in where I live in North Central Texas, the fly season would be from 1st of March probably until after Thanksgiving. Knight's company makes a feed-through fly control product called Altacid IGR. He says you need to get that product in front of your herd right now. You would keep the product out and monitor it. One of the key things is to make sure that we have enough tubs out or mineral feeders out for the number of cattle we have. And that would be from 15 to 25 head per feeder per tub so that we have enough surface area that every animal is able to come up and, you know, consume the amount of product that they need. Knight says the goal is to keep the horn fly population below the economic threshold of 200 flies per cow. Drought has really put the herd on wheat pasture in the Texas High Plains this winter, but James Hunt says higher kennel prices may help ease that pain some this year. Gene Vasek, who farms west of Hereford, estimates that he's gotten less than a half inch of precipitation on his place in the time since he planted his wheat back about four months ago. The crop is showing the effects of deficit moisture. The dryland wheat, it's nailed, it's gone. The irrigated, it's not responding real good, neither. We've watered it, but it don't act like it's doing very good. It must just be the season. Just a drought and doesn't want to respond. But Vasek is pushing on with his irrigated crop, although he doesn't plan to sell into the grain market. This year looks like I'm going to have to graze one circle out, and then I'll harvest the other circle by baling it because I just need the hay for the cattle. Yes, for the cattle. In addition to growing crops, Vasek also maintains a cow-calf operation with about 200 or more head. I got kind of a mix of cows, but I've got all black bulls, all Angus bulls and they turn out good calves. National at Liberal Kansas always usually buys my cattle because they yield good, and they pay me the same price for the heifers as they do for the steers, and we feed the heifers and steers together. And there's a key point in what Vasek just described. He's the one actually selling the cattle to the packer. He does send his animals to a local feed yard to be fed to market weight, but he doesn't sell them to the feed yard. Instead, Vasek goes the retained ownership route, which he says has allowed him to enjoy more of the profits when the packer makes the buy. 
Hopefully cattle markets will stay strong and allow Vasek to catch some of the benefit when his next batch of fed cattle are ready to be sold, which will be in about 100 days or so. In the meantime, he's also hoping for rain to help the sorghum and cotton he's about to plant. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Valentine's Day brings thoughts of the heart, and Tom Nicoletti says that means it's American Heart Month. In our Waco studio is Dr. James Sharp. He is a Waco physician, and uh, Dr. Sharp, not only is February a month that people need to take care of their heart, but uh, actually they need to uh, be aware of what they're doing uh, heart-wise 12 months of the year. So give us some advice on what people need to do to have a healthy heart. Well, happy Valentine's Day to everybody. You know, Cupid always likes to shoot likes to shoot his arrow through our heart and um, get us smitten with that that special someone. I want people to look over that special someone and ask them when they last had their cholesterol level checked and how many how many uh, steps they're getting a day, what sort of diet they're eating, and otherwise make a nuisance of themselves like I do every time I see a patient. You know, there's so much we can do for ourselves and, and, and for our loved ones to have a happy, relaxed meal at least once a day and fellowship with each other. All these things are heart healthy. Going for a walk, talking, enjoying the fact that we can have a social life again, notwithstanding some restrictions that are still out there. But it, it's just very important to eat well, uh, take a deep breath, enjoy the moment, the sunset. Uh, the sunrise, if you will. Enjoy the people around us. Uh, we should never take for granted the times we have, the years that we have with our loved ones. Take a little bit of effort to eat well, exercise regularly, get a get a medical exam once a year. Makes a big difference on, on the number of years we get to enjoy each other. That again is Dr. James Sharp. He's a Waco physician. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Proposed changes to the Waters of the U.S. rule would reintroduce some burdensome regulations for agriculture. Michael Clements has more from Washington. The American Farm Bureau Federation submitted comments to the Environmental Protection Agency and Army Corps of Engineers regarding proposed changes to the Waters of the U.S. rule. Courtney Briggs, Farm Bureau Senior Director of Congressional Relations, explains the details of the comments. We highlighted the problems with this proposed rule, which range from the incredibly vague terms that they are using to establish jurisdiction to the claim that they made about this rule having zero impact on the regulated community. And we spent a fair amount of time talking about the many benefits of the Navigable Waters Protection Rule and the importance of the exclusions and exemptions, particularly prior converted cropland. Briggs says the proposed changes would be harmful for farmers and ranchers. This proposal would greatly expand the federal government's reach over private property. And in particular, it would allow the agencies to regulate ephemeral features, ditches, low spots on a farm field. So it's incredibly concerning that federal protections and federal compliance will be associated with a low spot in a farm pasture. With the comment period closing, the EPA and Army Corps now turn their attention to finalizing the rule. I would anticipate that we see a finalized rule sometime this year. 
And if you remember back in the summer of last year, the EPA and the Corps said that they would rewrite the WOTUS definition in a two-step process. But it really remains to be seen if the agencies will embark on that step two rulemaking. And finally, most folks who are closely monitoring the WOTUS fight have turned their attention to the Supreme Court because the High Court will be hearing the Sackett case later this year, which may provide an opportunity for the court to withdraw a bright line of jurisdiction. Learn more at FB.org. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. We're coming up on the time of year where we could see an increase in dead bats. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain why coming up on Texas Ag Today. And back and neck pain in horses is difficult to diagnose and treat. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Need money for college? Between the state and county farm bureaus, more than $693,000 in scholarships is awarded to high school seniors, enrolled college students, and technical college students. You could be one of them. These scholarships and awards are another way Texas Farm Bureau invests in the future of Texas agriculture. Find out if you qualify on texasfarmbureau.org. That's texasfarmbureau.org. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships is waiting for you to apply. The application deadline is March 1st. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Back and neck pain in horses can be very common, but Dr. Bob Judd says it's very difficult to diagnose and treat. Neck and back pain is not uncommon in performance horses. Dr. Robin Daybriner indicated at the Western Veterinary Conference that the horse's neck has more than 100 muscles and seven very large vertebrae. And neck pain is common in horses that turn quickly, such as cutting horses, barrel horses, and eventers. Some affected horses are unwilling to flex their neck, and they may have a crabby attitude. Others may work well in one direction, but not the other direction. Some will resist taking the bit, object to having the ears touched, and may have lameness in one leg from a neck issue. Back pain is difficult to confirm, and there is a lot of debate on conditions causing back pain and how to treat it. Horses can have arthritis in the back, strained muscles, and inflammation of the ligaments between the vertebrae. Also, some horses can have kissing spines, which is when the dorsal spines of the vertebrae rub together and cause pain. Symptoms of horses with back pain include kicking or bucking under a saddle, resisting bending side to side, poor quality cantering, poor jumping technique, cross-cantering, and objections to being saddled. Treatment of neck and back pain involves anti-inflammatory medications orally or injected into the affected joints, injected ligaments between the vertebrae, mesotherapy, which is injecting small amounts of steroids and local anesthetics under the skin at affected areas, and shockwave therapy, as well as acupuncture in some instances. Some horses with kissing spines respond to surgical removal of a portion of the spinous process involved. Some horses can develop back pain from hawk arthritis as they move in a way that causes the horse to strain the back. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We're coming up on a time of year when we could see an increase in dead bats here in Texas. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. If you are out and about this time of year and you happen to find a dead bat, you might want to consider reporting it to a local wildlife biologist. 
Jonah Evans, non-game and rare species program director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says this is the time of year that we typically see white-nose-related bat deaths. The way white-nose syndrome works in Texas is really uncertain still. We still don't know a whole lot about how our bats hibernate in a lot of, of the state. Texas, our winter times often have random weeks of summer mixed in them. So if we have a little warm spell, sometimes that, that might mean that some bats are able to fly around and, and get some food and help them get through some of the winter. One of the things we've wondered is maybe we'll have somewhat of a false sense of security, like several years might go by and our bats will be doing okay because we've had just enough warm spells through the the winter and then suddenly we have a long hard winter and all our bats die. We really don't know. We're kind of waiting to see how this pans out still. But typically when you start seeing the influx of dead bats, people start reporting seeing dead bats would be in like mid-February. White nose syndrome is caused by a fungus that irritates bats, causing them to wake up from hibernation. Doing this, bats expend the energy that they've saved up for their hibernating period. When the bats use up their reserves, they end up having to leave their hibernation spot to find food or water often causing them to die of exposure or predation. Evans says if you find a dead bat, it is important that no one touches it or picks it up. Instead, he suggests contacting a TPWD biologist. You can find the contact information for TPWD biologists on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Cattle and cotton wrapped up the week lower on Friday, but the grain markets moved higher. We'll take a closer look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 19th through the 26th, and FFA students from across the country will be sharing their stories. I'm the National FFA Secretary, Jackson Sylvester, from the state of Delaware. National FFA Week is a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on members every day. And because FFA and agriculture education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, that impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex finished the week on a lower note Friday. A big jump in the corn market, putting pressure on cattle futures, both live and feeder cattle ending in the red. With February live cattle down 47, 141.87, the April down 70, 146.17, June live cattle down 47 at 141.12. March feeder cattle dropped 50 cents Friday, closing at 166.22. April feeders down a dollar five, one seventy seventy. May feeder cattle down a dollar twelve, ending the week at one seventy four seventy five. Cash fed cattle market saw most of our sales here in the south at one thirty eight to one forty this week. That's generally steady with last week's weighted averages. Boxed beef prices were lower on Friday. Choice down ten cents, two seventy four seventy two. Select down a dollar eleven at two sixty seven eighty four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, it's time to head to the Guadalupe River Valley. Talk to my cousin Brian Lintzman from Seguin Cattle Company. 
Brian, cattle first, then sheep and goats. Let's get with it. Sale was fantastic, Larry. Just the condition of these cattle. And we get into this time of the year where the numbers are a little bit shorter. And I'd call the stalker calves $5 better. Packer cows and bulls $5 better. I mean, it was just a good sale all the way around. Ended up with 731 head of cattle. Those two to three weight steers, $1.52 to $2.10. Three to four weights, $1.60 to $2.15. Four to five weights, $1.62 to $2.12. Five to six weights, $1.53 to $1.89. Six to seven weights, $1.40 one to a dollar 66 seven to eight weight steers dollar 13 to a dollar 48 when you get to those number one heifer mates uh, two to three weights dollar 40 to 212 three to four weights dollar 50 to two dollars four to five weights dollar 44 to a dollar 88 five to six weights dollar 39 to a dollar 66 six to seven weights dollar 27 to a dollar 67 and you you sit in here and you watch i mean we sold lots of nine hundred thousand dollar calves today and i mean that's just that's a good february market uh, the utility cows they were from 74 to 90 cents top end of the bulls dollar 15 pairs they brought from 650 to 1200 in the middle-aged uh, bread cow 650 to 1025 cheap and goat market it was just as strong those good nannies 260 to 335 dollars with good kid goats bringing from 380 to 427 and when you get to them dorpers the good use from 200 to 230 bucks and the lambs from 360 to four dollars good market all the way around well hopefully it'll be that way next week uh, tell everybody how to get a hold of you you can give us a call at 830-379-9955 or you can call me on my cell phone at 830-305-0652 Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble in deep south Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close mixed. Nearby February hogs up 32 cents at 90.50. April hogs down $1.20, 102.22. Class 3 milk was higher. February milk up 6 cents at 20.80 a hundredweight. March milk up 32 at 22.43 a hundred. The cotton market closed lower, feeling pressure from a drop in the financial markets on Friday. March cotton down 38 points, closing at 125.28. October down 94 at 108.81. December cotton dropped 8 points, 105.19. We saw the grain markets climb higher on Friday. Corn continuing to see support from a drop in Brazilian corn production. The drought in South America supporting our corn and soybean markets. March corn up nine and a quarter, six fifty one a bushel. September new crop corn up ten and a half at six oh seven and a half. The wheat market getting support from the ongoing drought here in the Southern Plains. July Kansas City wheat up twenty two and a quarter, closing at eight twenty seven and three quarters. While July Chicago wheat up twenty three and a half. To close the week at seven ninety-eight and a half. In the energy markets, March natural gas was up four cents at four dollars even. March crude oil up three seventy-one at ninety-three fifty-nine a barrel. As we mentioned earlier, the financial markets dropped on Friday afternoon. The Dow was down four hundred eighty-three points, thirty-four thousand seven fifty-seven. The Nasdaq down three hundred seventy-seven points at thirteen thousand eight oh seven. The S&P down 85, 4,419. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, 
check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.